Welcome to Empathy Evolution. My name is Brianna Snellgrove. We have Becca McKeithen and Travis Patterson today. And we it's September 9th today, and we're going to release this for September 11th. But we were actually getting ready to go into all the episodes we're going to film today. And we started talking about the feelings about 9-11 and how old we are, how old we are, and how old we were when it happened. And what we remember from that experience. Um, and so as much as I tried to say like, hey, let's move into like a new episode and we have things to focus on, it, it's, we kept gravitating back towards 9-11. And so we decided that we're going to have an episode about what happened. And it's really important, I think, in a, a point in history um, about and your experience, right? The 20-year anniversary. The 20-year anniversary. This, and that, I think that's really the most mesmerizing thing. It doesn't feel like 20 years ago whatsoever, even though I know I was you know, 15 when it happened. God. I'm keenly aware of that, but right. doesn't it doesn't feel like 20 years has passed. It, you know, I think we're still seeing such a, um, I, I, you know, I hate to say this, but with the, with the troops leaving Af- Afghanistan and all of these other things, it's almost like we're almost seeing like this strange kind of continuation and fallout from 9-11. So I think it's an important conversation. I, think I mean, obviously it was because we couldn't stop talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's why we felt so strongly about having an episode about that is is not because it's relevant. It's because we we really w- were just couldn't stop having a conversation about what was your experience with that. So I was fifteen, I think fourteen or fifteen when it happened, and Becky, you were I was fifteen. Okay, so then I was probably fourteen, right? And then Travis, you were how old? You were eighteen, right? Yeah, I had just turned eighteen. So I just turned thirty eight yesterday, uh, and so. Happy in, birthday. Thank you. In uh, 2001, uh, birthday September 8th. So uh, it was a Saturday. was my birthday. I had 18th birthday party. It was a great weekend. Had a good time. Uh, Monday, school was normal on the 10th. And then we went in for a Tuesday. Um, and I remember we had our first period class. And then we dismissed a homeroom. And then we left to go to our second period and immediately got called in mid-hallway to go back to homeroom. And the first attack had happened, and it was kind of propagating through the news for everyone to hear. And I have a very, very, I think most of us do, if you're old enough, all the way down to probably first, second graders, remember a bit about this day. But I particularly remember because it was right, very much becoming an 18-year-old. It was kind of that loss of innocence, loss of childhood into adulthood Yeah. for me. Um, we were in a guy named Kenny Rogers was the teacher. He was my homeroom teacher all through <laughs> We're laughing school. for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Rogers, great guy. Um, he was our uh, basketball coach um, at that time. So we go to homeroom, and um, they have all the teachers turn on the TVs. We have the news. So we're seeing the footage. They're talking about, is this an accident? Could this possibly be terrorism? Um, we're now getting reports of the other planes uh, over at the Pentagon and mm. you know being taken down. And we're, we're figuring that out. And uh, there's actually a moment I so clearly remember. Um, my seat was toward the, the door to the class, so I kind of had to turn around to look at the TV. And so there's a girl behind me and across from her, and they're reaching across the aisle holding hands. And we're watching a playback of the plane that's hit, and it's on, you know, uh, the building breaks into fire. And there's two or three commentators talking about it and the reporter on site discussing what's happening. And then she starts screaming that, another plane is hit that mm. that wasn't a playback that we actually just watched it's like 902 903 a.m mm-hmm. and we watched the second plane hit and just everyone's in shock and like it was very out of body for me the girls in front of me just start crying as they're holding hands it's crazy. Um, and you know i'm from crestview so it's a very military 
heavy, mm-hmm. you know, area. And I, I thought in Pensacola would be the same way. So uh, everyone was very worried about how this would impact their families. Yeah. Um, a lot of the students had already, you know, decided to go to college or we had decided to, some had already talked about going into the military, but now this was very much going to affect them. Uh, and a lot of people who decided to sign up after 9-11, but we dismissed school early and everyone went home to spend time with their family. And uh, yeah, it was just something that kind of changed everything. That's so wild that like, so you, you explaining that to me is like almost a reflection of trauma. So, cause I was a little bit younger and I, I remember like bits and pieces, right? And you were saying that you remember bits and pieces too. And mm-hmm. and I think I remember the same experience you did, like where the second plane hit and the reporter was kind of screaming. And I remember being in a math teacher's class. His name was Coach Beecher. And um, we all just kind of I mean, everyone was kind of confused when the first plane hit. And I remember like when you started talking about that, I felt the confusion. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. man, like mm-hmm. that was What's such happened? a such an odd experience for you know, preteen. But again, I was still at an age where I had like the sense of protection for my family because I hadn't made it to adulthood, right? Right. Like you hadn't had that experience of, okay, I'm going to be out my own. Um, I'm still kind of sheltered at this point, right? And Becky, Oh, I agree. Yeah. It was interesting when you said um, you had shared when we were just talking privately about your friends changing their plans and saying, you know, I'm going to forgo college. I'm going to join the military because of 9-11. My brother-in-law, he's actually the same age as I am. Well, I think he's maybe a few months older, but we graduated the same year. And he says the reason he joined the military was because of 9-11, that that was his um, catapult toward what has become his career path. And thinking he's still in the military to this day serving our country based on something that happened 20 years ago. I mean, that's an extremely, um, you know, it's just a really like a paradigm shift moment. People had plans for their lives and literally shifted them uh, because of 9-11. And for my my experience, and I was telling you guys earlier, is that what really gets me is the moments before I knew that the planes had hit the buildings because, you know, we went to first period that day. I was a sophomore. So we're in homeroom, first period, we uh, have our normal day, and I was walking from first period to second period, and for me, I actually had to walk outside, and I remember that walk, and the f- crazy thing is, is normally you would remember the moment you saw the tragedy, right. but for me, I actually remember that walk because I remember the unsettledness of the environment, the of energy. everyone's energy, and seeing students whose teachers had become aware of what happened and had shared it with them during first period, and you could just see how distraught they were. And it's almost like it almost wouldn't have mattered what had happened, that I will never forget walking like that, walking down that outside corridor and seeing people walk past me and just having that discomfort and that fear on their faces because it's just so clear in my mind to this day. I mean, I remember how sunny it was. I remember exactly the blue of the sky. Mm. And I remember the faces of the kids and being like, what is going on? What's wrong? Something bad has clearly happened. And then, of course, I get to second period. Mine was choir. So Miss Janie Parker, who I'm still friends with to this day, um, we actually all were sitting on the floor. It was like a very kumbaya Mm. moment. Um, She just kind of let us all sit and chill. And then we saw the second plane hit and it and I just remember feeling very overwhelmed but when I think back on that memory I almost play that whole scenario through my brain walking to class and then getting Mm -hmm. there and what the energy was like in the classroom 
and one of my friends crying because her dad was a pilot. Mm. And he was a pilot out of Delta, out of Atlanta. He did flights from Atlanta to New York. And, of course, as a child, 15, I still think that's, a ch- you know, we're mature, but we're children. Her fear was overwhelming. Oh, I'm sure. And um, and very legitimate. I mean, at the time, we had no idea how many planes were going to be. And that was the crazy thing, too. Like you were saying, the first plane hit, and you think you're rewatching, and then the second plane hits, and you hear about the Pentagon, and you hear about Pennsylvania, and you're right. like, oh, my gosh, how many more were hijacked? Right. I mean, for all we knew, hundreds could have been hijacked. It was just such an unknown. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's really <sighs> fascinating and also, you know, humbling for that experience is it was a shockwave that went through the entire country, even the world in some cases, right? Because it's, you know, um, in our experience is, is similar in different ways, but can you imagine being closer to New York? I I was watching the news the other day and they were talking about the, the stories and the benches that they have for family members that are lost. And, you know, I just, I can't imagine trying to manage that kind of trauma. Right. And it's, it's, it's such a, a pivotal point. I mean, it's a historical trauma. And so I think it 20 years, man, in, in Pensacola and Fort Walton and Crestview being huge military towns, um, you know, there was, and I think when you talked about Afghanistan, I think that there's a huge alarm that's going off in everyone this year Absolutely. compared to previous years. And if I recall correctly, I don't want to get busted for this being wrong. <laughs> At this point, I'm reaching to an, another aspect of memory. I believe when it happened, maybe it was the plane that was going for the Pentagon. I'm sure it wasn't the only ones, but I think they scrambled jets out of Duke. Um, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have uh, to fact check that. Fact yeah. check. But I think, I think check. that or Eglin, I think they scrambled jets. I'm sure. It they, wouldn't surprise they, me. All over the country, I'm sure they scrambled. Oh, absolutely. And who knows? Um, I mean, the reality, like you said, I mean, just having so many military bases and us obviously not having any high level of clearance whatsoever. <laughs> we Who knows what those things were, but we know it absolutely rattled right. this area. Yeah. I and know that I went, when I went to Blackwater Bistro the other night, I could hear the bombs at Eglin going off. And I felt mm-hmm. differently about it that night than I have in a long time with all the Afghanistan stuff going on. I was yeah. like, I feel safer. <laughs> there's, you know, there's practice going on for that kind of stuff. Yeah. One of my girlfriends, um, when they post, when, uh, when the, uh, departure out of Afghanistan happened and you hate to, you know, say it directly correlates to nine 11 in the sense that other things have happened since. Right. Um, but the whole thing is, is for, you know, I think for us, you think desert storm, and then we kind of had this pause in our lives and then nine 11 happened and it kind of created this upheaval with the Middle East. Mm. And um, for me, I go, uh, one of my friends, she's a former Marine, and she said, days like this are extremely hard for me when you know that they're doing these huge departures from countries. She's like, because I've been part of those in the past. And so we talk about trauma, PSD. I mean, it's very, very real. And then I was reading also about, uh, did you see the article I posted about secondary trauma? And so mm-hmm. it's almost like, yeah, we're not in New York. As Americans, it all hit right. us as a traumatic experience. But then we may even be connected to somebody who had a direct right. experience with someone connected to 9-11. They knew someone in the building. They had a family member. Right. I mean, you're talking about thousands of people between all those connections, family members and such. Yeah, I've, I've worked with a number of people. That you're dealing with another form of trauma, like secondary trauma from it as well. Right. Yeah, I've worked with a number of people who have worked, you know, coast to coast and a lot of them 
you know, during that time period were residing in New York. And, uh, and they talk about being in their buildings and being able to see the, the, the towers and mm. the, the smoke. Some of them, you know, if they were close to the center, see, you know, the debris cloud and There's come down. Everywhere. and Yeah, and that pe people were just coming out. And we've all seen the photos and the footage of, you know, Crown Ground Zero at the World Trade Center when it happened and people kind of coming out of all that ash and uh, falling uh, in, in the smoke. And it was just really catastrophic for that, you know, entire area. But uh, going back to what Bree said about kind of, you know, having this bubble of childhood feeling safe, that's kind of, I think, as a country, what was, you know, lost the most is, you know, we're very much, we're children in, of kind of the Cold War era. So even if you were born outside of the Cold War, you pretty much everything that shaped your early childhood through the 80s and 90s was Cold War. Cold War economics, Cold War, you know, politics, Cold War, um, you know, media and the kind of stuff. I mean, I grew up with G.I. Joe for crying out loud. Right. I wasn't, you know, trying to bring up nationalism and and praise from the military and stuff like that. And it was great. And I really enjoyed that stuff growing up. But, you know, it was kind of a product of the time, you know, and then 9-11 happens. And the only war we had witnessed was the Gulf War, right. which was really over inside of three weeks. and really no losses that you could really speak to on our side. And we kind of felt, you know, as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, we are invincible is kind of how you felt. Mm -hmm. And then 9-11 happens and you don't feel safe. And my wife and I were speaking about this the other day and we started to go through all of the things in retrospect that were kind of these dominoes falling that kind of culminated in 9-11 of our childhood of, you know, that undermining where you were supposed to feel safe, like a place like school. Like a place right. like home, place, you know, in your your city. And all of that was kind of going away by these, you know, terrorist attacks, whether it was large scale like 9-11 or it was growing up and entering high school around the time of Columbine. Yeah. You know, when the school shooting started. Um, you know, that I, that's kind of when I was a late middle school, high school or was coming in. And that was kind of becoming the trend to the point that when I was in high school, there was a kid that brought a gun to school you know, around that time period, kind of a copycat thing. And thank God he didn't load it and he was just reacting to being bullied. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, you know, a sign of the times, if you will. And uh, it kind of was a loss of, you know, I think I said a loss of innocence, a loss of safety. Mm -hmm. um, and so we entered adulthood and you each had to finish, you know, the your high school years just be very formative, very playful, very exciting. And there's kind of this cloud over it all, mm. you know? I entered college and trying to, you just try to ignore what's clearly going on, that your friends are directly you know, related, that your family is uh, directly connected to. Um, yeah. My brother-in-law um, went, uh, he was finishing his bachelor's and stopped and activated it in the Marine Reserves and then went active duty and came back, graduated, and then went back in. And he's still, he actually just made lieutenant colonel in the Marines. He went special for forces. Um, but yeah. And I, I mean, he probably would have gone military anyways, but mm -hmm. the trajectory of his career path and the dangerous scenarios he's been in, um, you know, would have been very different. We're going to have to have a whole episode with someone in the military that was kind of directly involved in, you know, special forces in that kind of era. But I, I, I when you're talking about Columbine and 9-11 and 
Um, you know, and then there was the recession, obviously, you know, our parents are going through the downfall if they had any sort of money invested in the housing market. And someone had asked me for an interview the other day um, why they thought there were so many women leaders around the same age for agencies and specifically the Pensacola area. And I, I was like, man, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. And I think entrepreneurship in general in Pensacola and in other areas is really, um, I don't want to say trending, but it's it's a sought after position, maybe not so much now that the pandemic is going on. Um, but there was a period of time where it was such a, you know, quote unquote, fabulous thing to be in entrepreneurship. And I feel like half of it was because the leadership that we had at that time, they were suffering from their own trauma. You know, like we were 18, 15 and 14. But can you imagine being an adult at that time, trying to manage children, trying to manage your finances through the recession, try to manage your kids going to the military, you know, maybe you're someone that travels or, you know, having to to tell your children about Columbine, like you were suffering your own trauma. So being a leader in that time, you know, 2008 to 2012 was probably really freaking rough, yeah. you know? And so, you know, when I think back of the leaders that I've had, you know, during that time frame, some of them were kind of just angry people and not for, for any reason that I had, but, you know, I think that there was a time that it was just unrest for them too. And so when I'm thinking about the cultural shift, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs our age, that's a common theme of like, yeah, I just haven't had, you know, so-and-so burn me or I've had a, a rough go or, you know, I decided to go on my own because I couldn't work for somebody else. How many times have you heard that? I just couldn't work for somebody else. Okay, well, the people you would have worked for, I mean, obviously there's really fantastic corporate leaders, but there was a lot of them who were leaders that probably had to manage their own mental health. And back then it wasn't a popular thing to do. Right. Absolutely. So, and also people weren't talking about it like you're talking about right. it now. So they were all going through it. So there's almost a strong collective of they're going through these really, really tough times. I mean, they're going through 9-11. And, you know, in some degree, all everything that happens is all interconnected. So at some point, it's like you're almost not healing from one trauma before something else happens. And there's a likelihood that somehow the first thing that happened impacted the thing that happened to you later. And I think it's interesting even thinking about you know, Travis was, you shared you were 18, I was 15, you were 14, and then you were talking about a friend that was 28 and in elementary school, and I was a teacher, and I was like, well, as a teacher, and if I had a third grade student, I wouldn't have had that on the TV all day. I might have shared with my students what happened, so there's an awareness, but I wouldn't have had it broadcast where in high school, they're not sh they're not shielding us anymore. They're like, here, here's the world. You need to be prepared because in four years, you will be an adult, or in your case, you just became an adult. You're walking into this world here it is. Right. And they were dealing with their own trauma, but no one's talking about that. And so I think I agree with you. I think that when you I think you've had time to analyze your answer and I haven't. And I even think in this conversation it's just been very organic. We we're not a hundred percent, you know, in, in terms of we did did we go in and research and live it. I mean, um, and study I'm glad it. that no. Travis knows a lot about history. Yeah, because. exactly. <laughs> but, but we're sharing our personal experience versus right. what we've researched about 9-11. Right. Here's what happened to us right. based on what we know and what we've experienced ourselves. But I feel like generationally, we always have to remember when you're talking about uh, the leaders you were talking about, you've been able to kind of start to pivot your view of them as, well, maybe this is why they were that way. It doesn't mean I want to work for them. It doesn't mean that we get along well or that they were good leaders, but this is what they were dealing with. And then this new generation of leadership is coming up, and maybe we have a bit more empathy for our employees. Maybe we have Absolutely. a little bit more compassion, but we haven't handled the trauma at the level or in the extent that they have. And I um, 
I just think that the really sad thing is that we also know that one day our children are going to be talking about 9 and 11 in different terms. They're going to be talking about it from our trauma. They're going to really be in that level of secondary trauma. My parents told me about 9-11. I've seen the videos, but they didn't have that initial impact like we did. Yeah, it's almost like our view of JFK. Yeah. Well, no, my dad always said he felt like 9-11 was like their Columbia um, explosion, the the oh, rocket that went in. He said because he was eight. He said he was eight years old, and they had it broadcast on TV, and the teacher was going up. They go up, and he says he remembers seeing it explode. Mm. And he said, you know, I feel like 9-11 was, was y'all's. I should, sorry, I shouldn't say y'all. It's not proper. But y'all's Columbia is what We're my dad's South, always compared it. We've always compared it to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is y'all bring up Columbine and, and talking about that. What I was talking about earlier is almost like that. And maybe I shouldn't have said first and second degree trauma because I think that 9-11 was a first degree trauma for us. We saw it. We experienced it. I think there are people who have maybe had a closer degree of impact than we did. Oh, absolutely. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. that would have been a better way to determine, to use those terms. Yeah. Um, because Columbine, I lived in Colorado at the time. My dad actually, we knew a teacher that got shot. Oh my gosh. Um, we personally knew her. She was a family friend. My dad, uh, the day of Columbine or that week, within that week, I can't remember if it was the exact day or the day before after, um, my dad actually was only working right down the street from Mm. the school. He was a, he was a tree guy and he happened to be working in someone's, uh, yard and he just said, I can't believe I was just there. It's almost like John Benet. He, my father actually worked for their neighbors. So there's all of these things that you guys saw on the national platform that in my family was extremely close to home, hit extremely hard. Um, you know, my parents took us down to the Columbine side as a child, and that's not what we're talking about today. But just that, that degree of closeness to the trauma, uh, you know, I'll never forget being there. Um, I'll never forget hearing the teacher's story. I mean, she's very lucky she survived. She got shot in the shoulder, protecting her, shielding her students in a closet, but they were, you know, shooting through walls and, and such, and she uh, got injured trying to shield her students. Um, and just, and it's kind of like the same thing. If you lived in New York and that was your home, how much more that degree of oh, closeness yeah. would impact you versus just America is all of our homes. It hit all of us. But man, when New York is your home. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that really speaks to me about how serious New York felt the pain of of 9-11 is that they never rebuilt the buildings. They turned it into a memorial. Mm. You know, you look at the commerce that New York does, the money that came out of that building, the amount of people employed, and they just said, we'll never replace it. Because what we need to do is recognize it, and we need to honor those people. And that's prime real estate. I mean, there's so much. They In a world that we say is totally dictated by money and commerce and capitalism, they were like— we don't even care about that because this is our home. Our home was hit, and and we're never. They're never gonna, you know, they're not yeah. gonna rebuild them. They're gonna honor those spots for those families. So, they yeah. found other places to build. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's still. Uh, I remember so many of the movies I grew up with, and so whenever I watch them, you know, a, a '90s film, and they're all set in New York, and then there's yeah. generic skyline, or you know, the two characters are talking out the window, right? Is one of the towers, and uh, it always like. Stopped you for a second. You're like, oh, oh yeah. you know, That's which, right. you know, I can 
when our kids get a little older, we can let our kids watch these films and it won't even register. No. But it's like, but those towers, the shapes, the look of them are, you know, indelible part of the skyline that we grew up knowing. Mm -hmm. Even though, even if you've never been to New York, you know that skyline. Right. Um, I think if people drew that skyline from memory in our generation, they would still draw it looking like that. Uh, I don't know. Now, this is something I I don't know if they still do, but it's even for the longest time. Maybe it's a permanent part of the memorial now. Is at night they'll do the light beams where the towers were? I think they, I don't know if they do that every night. I would have to definitely look into that. But I do know that on September 11th, they always beam them up. Hmm. But that's always been an impressive thing to me. It's kind of like in Colorado um, when we were still there after Columbine. They always do a moment of silence on the date of Columbine in Colorado. That's how close to home it hits. It's kind of like New York. I'm sure they have their own Mm -hmm. things that are like. These are permanent fixtures of our of our recognition of that event. Yeah, and I think I think that the biggest importance of this episode is to really kind of touch on um, a historical event. I mean, this is a 20 year anniversary, and um, it's going to be something that is um, probably. I mean, this is a big year. I, I think that there's I've seen a lot more um, promotion. You know, like typically on 9/11, you're like, oh yeah, it's 9/11. You know, it's coming up and you watch the news and there's a memorial about that and they have interviews. But I feel like this year is like really pivotal as far as marking that time in history and really um, digging deep for all of the the survivors. And, you know, um, I was watching some of the interviews and I just I think that it hits different this year. Um, what Maybe it's at the the unrest in Afghanistan. Maybe it's um, that it's 20 years and we're like, damn, we're getting old. Um, you know, I, I think that it's it's important that regardless of how old you are, if you have kids or, you know, if you're younger and listening, that you do some research on it and and really kind of understand the the gravity of it, you know. Yeah. yeah so something I put in a video recently that was requested, uh, it's kind of why I was freshly thinking about this topic, um, was it, what would I say to kind of these the Gen Z kids? Because now we have adults that, you know, were born – even two years after the event. So I would tell them, like you said, you know, talk to people who live through the event. You have people of a variety of ages and their recollections. Talk to people, if you can, who were directly affected by it. Um, but seek out media coverage. Think there's a lot of great documentaries, but specifically don't stop at 9-11. Look at 9-11 and then watch the dominoes up until the present, because in the way I like, I discussed that the Cold War shaped our childhood and who we are. Nine Eleven, the Patriot Act, the mm. the housing bubble, mm-hmm. um, the recession in two thousand eight. Everything that happened affected their parents, affected their childhood, affected you know economics, politics, religion, uh, pop culture, everything they have ever known. Yeah. Every aspect of that life was touched by this event and influenced by it. And to not learn about it is to not see kind of the tendrils that affected even the choices they were allowed to make. Certain choices were either presented or were not presented to them based on the world around them. And that world was wholly influenced by this day in our country. Mm. And I mean, it's an shockwaves through the you know the entire globe and the global economy and global politics uh you know you know like i said we you know this is september of 2021 so we're technically just getting out of afghanistan and that's you know say what you will i guess officially on paper at least ending 
Mm-hmm. That's their entire life we've been involved in the Middle East. Absolutely. Fighting that war. Yeah. Two decades. They don't even know a a world where it's not happening. And and uh, here we are in another pivotal shift in history that is, it's almost like the second really global shockwave. You know, like, I feel like 9-11 was the last, like, you know, pistol whip shockwave that was, it was undeniable. There's not a single person that doesn't remember that day. Mm -hmm. Um, And now we're in an era of covid and it's completely shifting everything on its head as far as like what you do, what you see, where you go. And so we're going to talk more about that with Monica Sanford in another episode. And and if you have questions about 9-11, we, um, we encourage you to send those in. and, and Or share your own experience. Yeah. We would love to hear that too. And uh, something I love about the show is when Travis was talking, I felt like I, I'm always like learning. <laughs> like I don't think we sit here as experts. And uh, I was, you know, uh, I really just gleaned a lot from what you just said, Travis. It's uh, it's a good word, and I hope that people will take that advice because it's some solid advice. Yeah, I'm just coming at it like you guys from, you know, kind of my empirical experience. You know, what yeah. I went through and, you know, I, I don't know anything that no one else doesn't already know. And someone a few years older than me is going to have a different perspective. Absolutely. Everybody in my I didn't think about the group, fact they class. never knew a world, though, with, without... Americans in action oh, yeah. on in the Middle East. Like I never even thought about that till this moment. Like that was very like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, you know, my children have never lived in that world either. Now yep. they're not going to remember it as much, but it, it's a that was that's just a very profound thought. And uh, I also think that this is just a time for uh, reflection and gratitude. Um, I do hope that our listeners do take the time to just kind of recollect on their own experiences and uh, be willing to consider how far what, you know, there were negative outcomes of of 9-11. There was racial tension. There was cultural tension. Mm. uh, The war began. And how much we do need to adjust ourselves to show empathy to those we don't understand who may have been impacted in a different way. That's right. Um, none of us are sitting here as people of color or as people who are practicing a, any Middle Eastern religions or any Middle Eastern cult- culture. And I know there was a huge um, movement in their acceptance and culture. I'm glad that I think we've made progress, but I think it's also a time for reflection on where we can show empathy to people we don't understand who may who 9-11 might have been very scary for them, not just from the fact that America was attacked, but from the fact that their people group was attacked. Um, I, as we were talking, I started thinking about how they, uh, how those cultures were impacted and the fear they may have felt that day. So it's also a time to reflect on how far we've come, but maybe the continued work that we need to do in creating a peaceful culture for each other and a loving and accepting culture for each other. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that's incredibly important and critical. And, um, you know, we'd love to hear your experience, um, no matter your Age, gender, creed, color, doesn't matter. Um, empathy is, is what we're here for. And, and we'd love to hear your, your story about 9-11. And if you're serving in our military, thank you for your service. Absolutely. First responders, thank you for your service. Absolutely. New York, we love you. And um, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Empathy Evolution. Empathy Evolution.